Well, friends, welcome back to the Camp House podcast. For the next few weeks, we're going to be releasing some legacy episodes, and that starts today. These are going to be episodes that, while we may have recorded them a while back, they're still very relevant to today. And so we're going to start with an episode on form-based code. As you're here in this conversation, I think this is one of the most important sort of policy decisions that have happened in our city over the past couple of years that's going to affect the way our city grows, the way it looks, the way it feels and develops. Uh, so I think it's really important we understand form-based code, and I'm excited to share this episode with you. Architects and planners have a saying we, we like to throw out there that every building builds a city. And buildings, hopefully, are built well, and they're going to last 20, 50, 100 years, and so you better get them right the first time. So we've really tried to, again, vision what we want our downtown to be, and then write the code exactly to get us those things, when a lot of the old codes just don't do that. Welcome back to the podcast. My guest today is Karen Hunt of the Chattanooga and Hamilton County Regional Planning Agency, and we're going to be talking about city code. And while that may sound boring, the truth is, I'm not sure there is anything that will do more to shape the future of our city than the new form-based code that the city adopted and approved this past summer. So stick with us, and I think you will not only be pleasantly surprised at how interesting the new form-based code is, but you'll also be inspired by the way this new coding system will shape our city into the future. This is the Camp House Podcast, and I am your host, Matt Busby. Karen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. So today we're going to be talking about form-based code, but before we really get into that, uh, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and, and your role with the city and the, and the county, correct? Correct. Yeah, I'm actually with the Regional Planning Agency, so we're a joint city-county agency. Um, for most of my career, I've been here 20-plus years, I've been focused on a lot of the downtown redevelopment, riverfront planning, that sort of thing. Uh, I have a background in architecture and urban design, so that, that's my first love. That's what I really like to focus on. But then this past year, we... Uh, delved into this big initiative of rezoning all of the downtown. So I got to spend a lot of time on that. Yeah. So the form-based code, uh, which we're going to be talking about, I mean, h- how many pages is that document? I was looking through it last night and it's, it's pretty hefty. Oh, it's about an inch thick. I don't know how many pages. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we really get into the, to, to the way that this new form-based code is going to shape the future of our city, uh, because that, that's why it's so exciting. And so I want to talk to you on this podcast because this is really going to uh, uh, literally shape our city going forward. Try to describe for our listeners the sort of code, you know, so, okay, so, so we're talking about code. Right. And, and on the one hand, that sounds really, really boring. Uh-huh. And the fact is, it used to be really, really boring. And, and I think this new form, form-based code is, is much more exciting because it's much more accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, but can you describe what is the code that we're leaving, right? Like, um, like, like, why is it important for us to actually switch to a new, uh, to, from, from our old coding system to the form-based code? What I like to tell people is that for for years we've had all kinds of public meetings in this community asking people what they wanted to see in downtown in the future, how they wanted to see it grow and redevelop. And repeatedly, almost every time we've had a meeting, people have said we want it to be vibrant, safe, obviously, but we want it to have a mix of uses, and we want it to be urban. In other words, we want 
multi-story buildings. We want them to come up to the street and really animate the sidewalks. We don't want it to look like the suburbs. Not that there's anything wrong with the suburbs. That's just not what downtown is. So that, that's the vision people have said they have for the downtown, but the old zoning code really doesn't help get us there. In, in fact, it gets in the way a lot of times. Yeah, there's, a, one, there's one line in the very beginning of form-based code that says, Chattanooga's current zoning districts provide very limited options for urban development. Yeah, so keep, keep going there. Yeah, very true. If you look at our, uh, the old zoning ordinance, where there are 20-something different zones to choose from, and only about three of those 20 really address urban development. And they don't even do it very well. They're pretty limited in, in their success. So we knew that we needed something that addressed urban development. Um, so a developer who wants to build a, a multi-story mixed-use building with maybe parking tucks somewhere in the back doesn't have to go get all kinds of variances and waste a lot of time and money doing that. Yeah, so the old code, when was that developed? Like, how old of a system were we operating on? <laughs> 1950s, believe oh it goodness. or not. Yeah, yeah, it is old and broken. So all throughout the beginning of the form-based code document that was presented to city council back in June, uh, it talks about how this new code w- was the result of com- the community's vision for the city and what the community wanted. You've already started to mention that. But what, what sort of studies and community input is the document referring to You know, when it talks about the community's vision? We've had a lot of meetings about the the downtown and the future of the downtown, but the two big ones, I guess, are the downtown plan, which was completed back in 2004, and it it covered the entire area. Again, people said they wanted a very vibrant, mixed-use, you know, lively downtown. And the the second one was the center city plan that River City worked on a few years ago, and and that went into some more detail for part of the downtown. So I I would say those are the two driving plans. Great. So, okay, so we're we're leaving this outdated coding system was formed in the 50s that really doesn't speak to the way that we want to develop cities today. Uh, and, we, and now we're moving into form-based code. So, you know, really quickly, uh, you know, maybe a brief synopsis, because the rest of this podcast is going to go into the details. What, what is form-based code? The way I like to explain it to people is the difference between the form-based code and our old zoning is that our old zoning focuses about 80% on the use of the land. Uh, what happens inside the buildings? What happens on your property? Is it residential? Is it commercial? Is it industrial? And it only focuses about 20% on the form of the building, things like the height and how it sits on the property and that sort of thing. The form-based code basically flips that percentage. It focuses about 80% on the form of the buildings. It still regulates the land use, but not to such a great extent. It's really more flexible when it comes to use, which makes a lot of sense, especially in a downtown. If you think about it, I mean, we have old buildings that have been here for years. The building we're sitting in now has been here for years. It used to be a department store, and and now it's condominiums and offices. You know, we have restaurants and old industrial warehouses. So you you want those uses inside the buildings to be able to change and be flexible over time. But hopefully the buildings are going to be done well, and they're going to be with us a long time. So you want them to be done right to start with. Yeah, so I had um, Christian, one of the very first podcasts that we did was with Christian Rushing. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I had him on the podcast, you know, I kind of brought up his blog. And, uh, and he has a, a couple of very famous blog posts where he kind of rants on uh, the way some chain restaurants were allowed to come into our downtown and do whatever they wanted. And essentially, that's because our old coding system didn't necessarily care about what the building looked like that they were creating as long as, well, that's, that's zoned for a restaurant. So go ahead. Go, go ahead and do that. Is that correct? That, that's correct. Yeah. Um, a couple of those restaurants that were built in, in the past several years 
Or, I mean, the businesses are great. Right. No one has an issue with the right. businesses, but it's the way or the form of the building, what it looks like, how it's built. It's a single-story, single-use building on a really piece of valuable downtown real estate. Yeah. Um, also, in some cases, um, some of the new businesses have parking in between the building and the street, which is not what you want in the downtown. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we have to accommodate parking, but you don't want it to dominate the streetscape. And yeah, our old code was allowing that to happen. In fact, sometimes it almost required it. Um, it, oddly enough, as soon as some of those buildings go up, you know, our phone starts ringing people yeah. saying, well, why are you letting this happen? And we're like, well, that's what the code says they can do. And then to speak to your point too, this is all about, and, and I think we'll talk more about this later in the interview too, but it's all about future uses because if, if those businesses, uh, you know, go out of business, mm -hmm. We're kind of stuck with a uh, yellow stucco building that can't be used for anything else. That's true. Yeah, a lot of the, um, I guess, formulas for the way suburban buildings are designed, is, is, is it's very similar. They're all similar to each other. I mean, they may vary a little bit, um, but they're very, very specific to that use, and sometimes they are difficult to retrofit into something else. Absolutely. Now, isn't, isn't it part of the effort behind form-based code, you know, to take the city's coding ordinance, and instead of it just being a document that looks like it was prepared by, you know, a, a lawyer or an accountant. Or a planner. Uh, or, or a planner. <laughs> and and it actually, it's actually making it visible. So, uh, so rather than just a long series of en endless Roman numeral outlines and text, there are, when you actually look at the form-based code document, uh, there are actually graphs and images that make the entire system much more accessible. That's true. It, it's more readable. It's more understandable, I think, to the average person. Um, instead of, like you said, having pages and pages of text and legalese or planneries, as we call it, there are a lot of diagrams, a lot of images, a lot of uh, actual photographs of buildings yeah. just to illustrate this is what we're looking for. And where there is text, we, we have really tried to keep it as, as simple and non-technical as we can. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's one uh, example of any kind of, like you're saying, plan or ease in there that isn't accompanied by an image so that really uh, anybody can understand what's going on here. Yeah, and we've tried, to, as we've started using the code and as others have started using it, we've told people, you know, please tell us if you see something that doesn't make sense. And we've promised that, you know, as we go, we're going to correct things that don't quite work or fix little glitches. Because, you know, when you do something that's this comprehensive and, and complicated, you're always going to have a few little things you have to tweak. Yeah, it, it is very comprehensive. I mean, how, how, how long did it take you guys to compile this? I mean, it, it's, it's so well thought out. Um, and there's so many different zones within it. Mm -hmm. um, it how, how long are you guys working on this project? Let's see, we hired our consultants. They came on board in January of last year. So we actually had them working on it for about a year and a half. But even before that, I mean, our staff was attending uh, out-of-town workshops and online courses, learning more about form-based codes ourselves. So we've been at it for a couple of years. Yeah, so is, uh, which is amazing. If you actually look at the documents, it's shocking you guys were able to pull that off in that amount of time. But um, is Chattanooga kind of just joining up with a movement that's already going on. I mean, how, how common is it for cities to be moving to this form-based code around the country? It, it's growing, for sure. Um, there is a website you can go to that shows you all of the cities that have adopted form-based codes across the country, and, and it's, it's growing every month. Um, yeah. It's in, in the hundreds now. Some cities, uh, or most cities, just use it like we have, say, for a downtown area or maybe an, an historic district or a small part of the city. There are a couple cities out there uh, Miami Beach is one that has applied it to the entire city. Wow, great. Yeah, we'll, we'll include that 
website in our show notes uh, later. So if you're interested in seeing other cities who are who are um, you know taking on this model that that Chattanooga's just adopted in the last couple of months and and kind of seeing what it's done for those cities, um, you can check out that website in our show notes. Well, one of the inten- one of the stated intentions within the form based code is um, is that this new code is meant to balance conservation and development. Can you can you describe that for us uh, in conservation, both in terms of uh, of history, but also in terms of the environment? Yeah, our old code, for instance, really we didn't even have a zoning category for parks. It was just, it was either residential or industrial or commercial office, whatever, but nothing for parks. So we've actually added a park zone. So there are pieces of property in our downtown, like Coolidge Park, Miller Plaza, Miller Park, places like that are actually zoned to be a park now. Um, So we're doing some things like that. Also with the historic buildings, um, what we've tried to do is within historic districts, is to keep the height of any new development consistent with the height of those old buildings. Okay, so you don't get a, you know, a 10-story building just towering over a little yeah. two-story historic storefront. What, a, what, what are some of those historic districts in downtown? Um, there are a couple national historic districts. Um, ML King Boulevard, that corridor okay. is one, and then Main and Market Street is another one. Now, this new code organizes downtown into four different contexts. And then, and then there's zones within those contexts. Can you, can you break those down for us? What are those four contexts and, and how are they we're, we're, uh, kind of describe for people where they're at in our city? Sure. Well, the four contexts are the urban core. Then the second one is the urban context, which is primarily the South Side and ML King district. Okay. The third one is the urban edge, which is the north side of the river or the North Shore. And then the fourth one is the riverfront. Okay. Both the north and south sides of the riverfront. And we did it that way. We started out not having those four contexts, but as we started developing the zones throughout the downtown, we realized that we really needed even a little more nuance in there because the North Shore really is different from the core. And it's even a little bit different from, say, the south side in Main Street. So the, the urban area, the urban core, is the most densely developed, the tallest buildings, the urban context, again, ML King, Southside areas, is, is still urban. You still have a, a mix of uses, multi-story buildings, but the buildings aren't quite as tall. They tend to be four or five stories tall at the most. And then the North Shore, which we call the urban edge, is even a little less intense than that. Again, still mixed use, still multi-story buildings, but we really don't have much over three or four stories in the North Shore. And then the riverfront. It's just a special district because you have the river running through the middle of it. You have some special physical conditions you have to deal with. So, so there's the four contexts, and, and, and really what you guys, what the cities kind of and the communities really decided is these are unique spaces. And so what happens in the urban core isn't necessarily something we want happening along the riverfront um, and, and vice versa. And then uh, within each of those contexts, though, there are dozens and dozens of different kinds of zones. And I don't, I don't want you to go through all those at all. That would take way <laughs> too much time, and I think it would definitely uh, bore our listeners a little bit. Yeah. But uh, can you just give us one or two examples of, a different, of the different zoning? So maybe talk about, like, mixed-use zoning mm-hmm. and, and, then, and then the different kinds of maybe two examples of the residential zoning within, the, within these areas. Okay. Yeah, the mixed-use zone is commercial mixed-use is one of the zones. And you have that zone within three of those four contexts. It's in the urban core, it's in the urban context, and it's in the urban edge. 
but the standards under that commercial mixed use zone vary slightly depending yeah. on which context you're in. So in the urban core, let's take height for instance, that's an easy one for people to visualize. In the urban core, your height, maximum height for new development can go up to 12 stories. In the urban context, again, a little less intense, lower height buildings, um, the maximum height is about six stories. Okay. Then you get down to the urban edge, which is even less intense than that, and the maximum height is four stories. So that, that's one of the main differences. Um, with residential, um, there are a couple different residential zones, one more for single-family homes, um, and then we get some for things like townhouses, up to about four units in a building, and then you get more uh, multi, multi-use yeah. or multi-unit residential where you can have as many as you want. And, for instance, in the urban core, we don't even have the zone called residential detached, which, which is like a, a single-family home on a lot by itself. Right. That's not even allowed in the urban core because the urban core is a much more intensely developed area, and you, it really doesn't make sense to have one little single-family home yeah, sitting on the middle of Market Street. Right. Now, within the within the form-based code, too, you guys also have, um, I'm trying to think of how it was worded in there, but different sort of uh, committees for each one of these contexts. And so you know, let's just, if, if I were a developer mm-hmm. and I wanted to, to build a new apartment complex, let's say in, in the urban context, mm-hmm. Uh, how would I go about creating a new development? Kind of take me through the process of, of, of the way buildings get approved now. Okay. Well, to start with, we really tried to keep it very similar to the process we have today. We, did, we didn't want to reinvent the wheel and make things confusing just for the sake of being confusing. So very similar, you would, you know, look at the zoning map. See, first of all, which context you're located in. So say you're in the urban context. Maybe you're in the south side. Um, So then you turn to that section of the code and you look for your piece of property and see which zone you're in. So maybe you're in the, you said residential, right? An apartment building? Yes. Okay, so you're looking for a zone that allows that and say, yes, you're in that zone. You can build multi-story, multifamily residential. So that would be the second thing. You just check to see that your use is allowed. And then there are about four or five pages um, that basically give you all of the standards for each zone. So instead of having to flip back and forth through multiple sections of the ordinance, most of what you need is going to be on those four or five pages that tell you things like the setbacks, um, how high the building can be, those sorts of things. And then if, if you need to go in a little bit deeper and look at like your landscaping requirements or requirements for signage, those sorts of things are in a special section in the back of the code. Well, so I want to read a specific example from the code, and uh, and I have a question for this at the end. So this this is an example of the language within the new code system that I want to point out because it reveals why this code is so important, I think. Mm-hmm. All right, so here, here it goes. The shopfront mixed-use zone is intended to accommodate a variety of residential, retail, service, and commercial building uses in a storefront environment. Uses are flexible, but tall ground floors with large areas of transparent glazing are required to accommodate retail uses in the future. And it, it's this last line that I, that I find so intriguing. So this, um, this uh, shopfront mixed use zoning is an example of how this document maybe isn't addressing issues of today, but it's really setting up our city for the future. Uh, can you maybe talk a bit about how this document uh, is really setting up the development of our city uh, for, for years down the road? We started out looking at certain areas where we wanted to encourage retail development 
Um, economists over the years and, and numerous studies have told us you don't want to spread your retail too thin. Your, your downtown retail market is, is not that strong. So yeah. you want to cluster it in areas. Yeah. And a lot of cities have gone so far as to require retail uses on the ground floor of some buildings in their codes. And, and our consultant said, no, we think that's a bad idea. You really don't want to do that because you may not have a market today for retail in all of those buildings, but you want to make sure the building can accommodate it in the future if the retail market does improve. Right. And so that's what we've done. Retailers, retail uses tend to want to have high ground, high ceilings yeah. on the ground floor. So what we've said is in these limited areas, in these retail zones, um, you have to, if you're building a new building, you have to build your ground story a little bit higher than in the other zones. Now, you don't have to put a retail use in there day one. You could have apartments there. You could have offices. You could have whatever in the ground floor today. But hopefully in the future, we'll get a retail use in there, and then it will easily go into that building because you've made the ground story a little bit taller. Right. Yeah. And so again, I just find, this is why, you know, I wanted to have Karen on the podcast because this is going to shape the future of our city so well, uh, because again, you know, the example we mentioned earlier, you, you're not going to have some major corporation coming into our downtown, creating a single story building that can only be used for one purpose. Now, anything that gets built is going to be built for generations to come that, that generations after us are going to enjoy, um, that can be used for so many different uses and not, it's not just a single purpose building anymore. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, Architects and planners have a saying we, we like to throw out there that every building builds a city. Yeah. And buildings, hopefully, are built well and they're going to last 20, 50, 100 years. And so you better get them right the first time. Right. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's, you know, why a lot of people are so, more, so much more attracted to downtowns uh, is for the uniqueness of the buildings, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, at the corner, you know, you have so many great historic buildings downtown that, are, that you, when you even look at them now, you're like, is it ever going to be like that again, right? Like these yeah. beautiful stonework, uh, the masonry that goes into them. Yeah, I often ask people when I'm talking to them about this sort of thing, I'll say, okay, where do you go on vacation? And of course, some people go to, you know, the beach or to a national park or something, but some people say, oh, yeah, we like to go to old historic cities or and look around. I said, well, when you go to those cities, do you go out to the mall and the suburbs? They're like, well, no, I can do that at home. So yeah. it, it, it's that uniqueness of the downtowns, I think, that really draw people to those cities. So, so I'm interested, how, how is this... Um how has this change been received by some of some of the people within maybe the real estate development community? What kind of, uh, have you guys faced any sort of opposition, any sort of challenges uh, to switching over to this new code? You know, it's really been amazing. I, we have not had nearly as much opposition as I would have expected for this big a change. I mean, sure, when we first got started and started telling people, oh, we're going to create this form-based code for the downtown, I'm sure a lot of people were thinking, oh, no, here they go again. But it's mostly, I, I think, just a, a fear of something new. You're not quite sure what's gonna, what it's going to be like. It's, you know, new regulation. Is it going to be onerous and make things more difficult or more expensive? And I think we we've really made a point going out of our way to meet with different groups that are involved in developing downtown whether it's architects or realtors or or developers or home builders and really sit down and work through the the new code with them talk to them about their issues we actually um 
once we got the code in a, a draft form, started testing the code against real development projects in our downtown. And, and we asked some of the, the architects and developers to help us with that. So some of them tested it against a project they were working on or they had just completed. And, and a lot of them called us back and sent us a whole email list full of you know things that didn't quite work. And so we tried to, to fix those and change them along the way. So I think it's been a really good process. We've had a Lots and lots and lots of public meetings. I've given lots of presentations, and I think all of that has really paid off, especially when you consider we rezoned over a 1,000, approaching 2,000 pieces of property in the downtown, and at the end, we only had about 12 that wanted something different than what we were proposing. Yeah, so right now this is only affecting, you know, downtown. So uh, North Shore, uh, the Riverfront, City Center, and then, you know, over MLK, over to Central, and then um, South Side all the way down to I-24, correct? Yes. And So do you ever, is there, um, do you ever see this maybe expanding beyond that to South Broad, over to Highland Park? Um, is, is, is there any talk of expanding form-based code beyond just the downtown? Possibly. What, what we've told people is that, A, it, form-based codes are easiest to use in an urban area where you want those multi-story mixed-use buildings up close to the street. And so a couple places have expressed some interest. The St. Elmo Commercial District is one that expressed some strong interest. So that's possible in the future. What we want to make sure of, though, is that those areas have a plan, have a vision for what they want that area to be in the future. Um, and we will only go in with a new form-based code in that area if, in fact, they say, yes, we want this to be you know, a little urban pocket in this community. We want it to be developed this way. So one of the things I find really interesting within the new um, form-based code is we've talked a little bit about the maximum height requirement or the maximum height in a lot of these districts, but there's also a minimum height requirement. And across the board, that's two stories. So, so according to the new form-based code, you cannot build a single-story building or a single-story house anymore. So you talk about a little bit more about why, you're, why we've decided to eliminate that altogether. Sure. Well, again, downtown real estate is very valuable. Um, I can't tell you the exact percentage, but the downtown area generates the majority of property tax revenues for all of Hamilton County. So so you want multi-story mixed-use buildings in order to generate the tax revenue that helps pay for roads and schools and all those sorts of things. You also want more density in the downtown area in order to support the grocery store that everybody wants close to them in order to support um, new shuttle routes that everyone wants coming down their street. You just, those things just don't work without a pretty large concentration of people. And so we've tried to make sure that we at least get two stories throughout the downtown. And in some places that minimum goes up to three and four stories right in the the core of the downtown. One thing we, we've also tried to do, though, because th- we do have some single-family homes that are existing in the, these neighborhoods, downtown neighborhoods, and folks were very fearful and concerned that we were going to allow, you know, a new four-story apartment building or commercial building right next to their little single-family bungalow. And so we, we've added some protections into the code to keep that from happening. So if you're within 30 feet of one of those single-family residential zones, then you can only build up to two stories. Okay. Um, once you get a little further beyond, then you can start, you know, going yeah. up in stories. So, so there's not a dramatic some- shift from a, you know, five-story apartment complex to a single-family home. Instead, it's going to be, you know, that that that's going to be transitioned out over a few different lots. So you right. might see a two-story 
than a three-story and then a five-story or something like that. Right, or, or maybe maybe even within the same lot. If you've got a pretty wide lot, yeah. maybe one side of your building is two stories and then you transition up to okay. three or four on the other side of the lot. So the form-based code, again, is all about shaping or setting, setting the codes in place to shape our city into the future. And so if we want to grow as a, um, as a more urban space, we really have to have these codes in place to make that happen. So can you, can you even talk about maybe a little bit about um, we all want a downtown that's going to be livable and walkable and it's going to be mixed with shops and restaurants and businesses. And uh, really, all, all of that requires density. Mm-hmm. So how does, how does form-based code really help push us along in, in that regard? Well, having a minimum height is one thing. Um, it also just allows a mix of uses, and it hopefully makes that much easier for a developer to build. I mean, in the past, if you wanted to build a, a multi-story building with a restaurant on the ground floor and apartments or offices or something above, you often had to go get a variance to even be allowed to do that. So now you can just do that without having to get any kind of special variance. Um, So we've really tried to, again, vision what we want our downtown to be and then write the code exactly to get us those things when a lot of the old codes just don't do that. So in the very beginning of this document, you'll see um, a couple pages that just talk about the purpose and intent of the code. What is it we want the downtown to be in the future? What are we trying to accomplish with this code? And we really felt that was important. The old code has just a little bit of that, but it's kind of vague and doesn't work very well for us. And as with any zoning ordinance or or form-based code, you're always going to have some conflicts in the future as development occurs. There's a special situation, a developer, you know, needs a little bit of leeway on some of the standards. And we've built a way into the code to to work through that process. But sometimes you you can't just look at the letter of the law and and figure out the answer. Sometimes you have to kind of tweak it a little bit, be willing to to bend and compromise. And so that's where those purpose and intent statements really come into play. If someone, a developer comes in and they want to do something a little bit different in the downtown, something really creative that we haven't thought of yet, we want want to allow that as long as it's still in keeping with the the overall spirit um, of the code and the vision for our downtown. Well, Karen, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Yeah, and like I said, I'm so excited for the way this form-based code, this new coding system for our city is really going to shape and move our downtown forward. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you for your role you've played in this. Yeah, we're, we're glad people are excited about zoning. <laughs> Thank you so much to Karen Hunt from the Regional Planning Agency for stopping in today and explaining a little bit more about form-based code. And, you know, I hope I lived up to my promise in the introduction that a conversation about city code is rather interesting, and hopefully you're inspired by the way this is going to shape our city into the future. This podcast was recorded in the Lamp Post Group studio, so huge thank you to Lamp Post Group. And if you haven't checked out their new podcast yet, Dynamo Discussions, look it up on iTunes or wherever you hear podcasts from for a great conversation on the entrepreneurial culture of our city. And thank you for being here today and listening to this conversation. And, you know, if you found this interesting or any of our previous episodes, you know, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Leave us a rating and a review. I'd really appreciate that. And share it with a friend. Any of our previous episodes, you can find them all at thecamphouse.com slash podcast. And you can share those through email on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, Help us spread the word about this podcast and spread the word about the great things that are happening in our city. So thank you for being here and we'll see you next week.